Good morning. Oh, everyone's awake. That's fun. Well, yes, well, it's good to see you on this lovely day, Memorial Day weekend. And as you may have guessed, it's, it's a little bit different today. So there's a few things that are different. One, this sermon is not part of a series. We just finished one. We're not launching a new one yet. This is, today we're just going to talk about a verse. Just one verse. We're going to look at it. We're going to talk about it. And this is Memorial Day weekend, as we all know, and so many of you are gathering with family, and we know a lot of our church family is out and about. You are traveling, you're meeting with people, you're seeing the race, and so if you're watching from a distance or tuning in later, I just want to welcome you and thank you for taking the time. And for everyone who's here in person, thank you also. I'm so glad that you can be here. I mean, it is, it is good to be together. It is good to worship together. And we have all kinds of togetherness because we also have a lot of students and kids of all ages joining us this weekend. It's a worship together weekend. And because it's a different kind of day, I, I get to do things a little bit different. You see, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I'm an energetic person. <laughs> and a big surprise. So one of the things they teach you about preaching is you're kind of supposed to plant Stay in one place. Let the words have the energy. Don't be moving around too much. I get to move around today. <laughs> I get to wave my arms. We got props. We got toys. This is going to be fun. And, and similarly, for all of you, we know normally it's, it's, it's uh, kind of church tra tradition, or at least in, in this culture, to be fairly quiet during service. We don't have to this week. Uh, there's going to be some call and response, some times to be loud. If you want, if you want to be quiet, totally cool. But if you want to get loud, there's going to be some opportunities. So with all of that in mind, let's dive into our verse today. Micah 4, 3 to 4. The Lord will mediate between peoples and settle disputes between strong nations far away. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. So this is part of a prophecy. It's, it's talking about the future. And it's a prophecy that's repeated by two different prophets. One is named Isaiah. And here it's repeated by someone named Micah. So this is a popular prophecy. It's, it's a big deal prophecy. And it's a big deal because it's talking about a time when people won't fight anymore. When there'll be peace between all peoples. And we long for that. We, we got a problem with this verse right away. It says, hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. What's a plowshare? And, and, and what's a pruning hook? So we're going to take a look at that real quick. When we think of swords, we tend to think of kind of knights in shining armor, those big, long swords. And those big, long medieval swords are made of steel. It's one of the reasons they can make them so long. But in the Old Testament, they didn't have steel. For most of it, they had copper and bronze, and eventually they got iron, but most of their swords would have looked a lot more like this. You can see, not super long, and it's actually not super sharp on the ends, it's mostly pointy. 
And so copper and bronze and even iron, they're not as strong as steel. And, and the Old Testament sword was basically a long chunk of shaped bronze. And a plowshare, well, it's kind of like if you folded the point of that sword over and made it for breaking up the earth. Plowshares can look differently. It's, it's a little tricky to figure out exactly what they might have looked like. But they probably looked something like this. You could hammer that pointy end over, and then you have this nice wide edge that you could push or drag through the earth, maybe with an ox or a tool, and it would break it up for plowing. And this is actually a huge deal. This is like cutting edge technology of the time. But most of us aren't farmers, so it's kind of hard to appreciate how cool and important a plow is. So because of that, we're going to focus on the spears and pruning hooks today. And instead of pictures of old rusted tools, I have some models. <laughs> so this is my model of an Old Testament spear. Now, they probably would have been a little bit bigger and things like that, but this is my model. And as you can see, this is very good for poking. That's what spears are good at. This is my model of a copper pruning hook. Now, the important things about pruning hooks, they may not have looked exactly like this, but it gives you the idea. This edge on the outside is not sharp. I could poke you with it all day and nothing's going to happen. I could slash you with it and you're just going to laugh at me. Well, you'll actually probably be mad or confused, but the point is that's not sharp. This inside edge is the sharp part. And the reason the inside edge is sharp is because these are made to hook around grain or crops and then cut them free so I can harvest. Or I could hook it around a grapevine and cut the grapevines free. Or I could put it on the end of a pole like this and reach up into the trees and cut fruit free. So the point is, spears are good at stabbing. Pruning hooks are not good at stabbing. Pruning hooks are good at getting fruit, and spears are not good at getting fruit. They'll just mess it up. So that's what I want us to remember about this verse. Spears good at stabbing, hooks good at getting fruit, but all of that is kind of wordy, so I'm going to make it even simpler. You ready for this? Spears hurt, hooks help. And this is where you're going to get the opportunity to do some call and response, a little bit loud if you want to. So I'm going to say spears, and when I go like this, you can shout out as loud as you want, hurt. Ready? Spears hurt. Ooh, nice. And then hooks, I'm going to go hooks, and when I pump my arm, you say help. You ready? Hooks. Help. Spears. Hurt. Hooks. Help. Hooks. Help. Ah. Ooh. Okay. Oop. So now we can move on. Let's look back at that verse. The Lord will mediate between peoples and settle disputes between strong nations far away. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. So it says God will mediate between peoples. That's a fancy word for judge. 
And what this is saying is that God will be the judge. There will be a day when everyone brings their arguments to God, and so we don't have to fight about it anymore. You don't have to fight to see who's right or who wins. If there's a conflict, people and nations will just simply go to God. But it's not like that yet. We still have a lot of conflict. So why did God tell us about this? Why did Micah write about this? Well, this is just one part of what Micah is saying in this passage. He goes on to say that this day will come through a particular person. This day will come from a king who is born in Bethlehem. And we know who that king is. It's Jesus. Jesus will be the king and the judge who brings peace. Jesus is the one who brings an end to all of the arguments and violence and hurt and pain. He will be the good judge who will bring peace. When Jesus comes back, he will make a world where we don't fight anymore, where nobody does. And for us who follow Jesus, this is our hope. This is something we look forward to and hold on to in times of pain and violence. But a lot of people don't know about this. They're not following Jesus. They don't know the joy and the peace that he's bringing. And if we're following Jesus, we have this good news and we want to tell them. We want to tell them about how Jesus is, brings the future and the peace and the hope of the world. We want to show them the love and hope that Jesus brings. But here's the problem. We're talking about Jesus who is full of love. And we want to tell people that Jesus brings peace. But a lot of times, we are not full of love. And we're not bringing peace. We're still fighting to get what we want in the world. We're still holding on to our spears. We're fighting to get what we want. And then we tell people, we love Jesus. Jesus brings peace. I mean, imagine an army of people with spears chanting, we love Jesus. Jesus brings peace. <laughs> no one is going to believe them. They're all holding spears. But imagine an army of people with pruning hooks, harmless, only good for helping. If they're saying that Jesus brings peace, well, people are gonna pay attention. And this is our big idea. If we, if we wanna show people the love of Jesus, we have to turn our spears into hooks. If you wanna show people the love of Jesus, help them, don't hurt them. Because remember, a spear hurts. A hook hurts. Spear hurts. Hook hurts. If you want to show people the love of Jesus, help them. Don't hurt them. So that seems pretty simple, right? Pretty easy. I mean, do we really need a whole sermon just to tell us to be nice to people? Yeah. Turns out we do, because 
we are really bad at telling the difference between spears and hooks. The problem is not that we don't know we should be nice. We know this. The problem is we don't know the difference most of the time. And so I'm going to go first. In high school, I didn't know the difference very well. You see, I discovered I was really good with words. I could use words to make myself look good and to look special. And most importantly, I could use my words to show that I was right. If we got in a debate, I was going to win. And I thought to myself, very noble, I will use my power to make the world a better place. I will make people see what is true. I will make people believe what is right, which is coincidentally what I believe. <laughs> but I wasn't helping. What I was really doing was just proving that I was smart, proving that I was better. And even when I did prove something that was true, all I was really doing was using my words to get my way. I had to learn that winning is not the same as helping. I had to learn that my words hurt, even when I was right. Some of you are good with words, but others of you have the power of image. You know how to look good. You know what to wear, you know what to say, you're stylish, you're popular, you know what to post online. And that means you also know how to make people look bad. You know how to expose their failures, how to expose their flaws and mistakes and point out what they did wrong. How to make sure everybody knows that they're wrong and you're right, and you might even think that you're helping. But that snarky comment on their picture, that angry post on their feed, that text about, oh my goodness, how fake they are, and if everybody knew what you knew, these hurt. You are driving a spear right into them. And this isn't just about social media posts, social ones, it's about political ones too because it is really easy, it is so easy to, to make that clever argument online, or, or not even make it, just like it, just repost it, just retweet it. That clever comment that shows how right you are and how wrong they are. It feels good to repost that sarcastic meme, that cynical comment, to, to stab back at all those silly liberals, to, to get back at all those foolish conservatives. Because after all, they're stabbing at us all day, so isn't it about time that we grabbed our spears and got them back a little? After all, it's just a tweet, just a post. I mean, I'm sure it's what we're all thinking anyway. What's the harm? Spears doesn't matter if they deserve it. And it doesn't matter if everyone in your group agrees, they still hurt. I'm gonna keep going, I got one more, just one more. But this is one that is perhaps the greatest power that we have, and it's the power of relationships. 
It's the power of knowing someone. Because if you have a good friend or a child or a spouse, even if you're dating someone, you know them pretty well. And if you know them pretty well, (laughs) you also know the things about them that aren't great. (laughs) You know their flaws. You know the things that bug you. And you want to make them better. And And I want to be very clear. Wanting someone you love to be better is not a bad thing. Believing that they can be better, desiring them to be better, these are good. But there's a problem. You're not God. And I'm not God. And I don't know how to be God. <laughs> God is really big, and I'm called to look like God, but, but I can only look like a small part. I'm called to be a small picture of who God is, and that picture is called Brad. That's my name. I am the picture of God, Brad. And God is teaching me how to be Brad, the picture of God. But if I want to change you, if I want to make you be more like Jesus, to make you be more like God, I don't know how to be God. I only know how to be Brad. And so I can come at you with the best intentions, but in the end, I'll just be making you like me. And you were not made to look like me. You were made to look like God. And if I try to make you look like me, I'm stealing from God. And I'm hurting you in the process. Relationships give us incredible power over another human being. Your words and your actions can shape them and change them. And you can use that power to change them into what you want or to bless them exactly where they are. If you want to show people the love of Jesus, help them. Don't hurt them. So how do we do that? Well... We hammer our spears into pruning hooks. We stop trying to get our own way. And notice, this is hammer, not trade. We don't say holding on to both these and be like, well, do I want to hurt or help today? No, this is destroying our ability to get what we want in exchange for a new ability to bless people. For me... My power was argument and words, and so starting in high school and into college and beyond, I had to give up arguing, and that was hard because I was right. (laughs) But I couldn't say it. I had to give it up, and I messed up, and I kept practicing, and it took years, years of practice. But I got to the point where I was actually being invited into debates, and I had to say no. I'd be invited to give a debate on a stage, and I would say no, not because debates are wrong, but because debates are my power, and I was giving up my power for something better. And I got something better, because that's the joy of all this. This is not a list of what not to do. This is a list of what we can be. 
In exchange for the power of argument, over years and effort, God made me a hook, a hook of blessing. And now I am really good at listening. I can listen to other people's words and hear what God is saying through them. When I let go of proving that my words were right, I started discovering God's truth in others, and I can tell you that is a blessing so much greater than the power I had before. If your power is image, if your power is, is, is making things look good or bad, you might be called to give that up to stop commenting on posts or only comment positive things, only post things that make someone else look good. And if you find yourself getting drawn into arguments online, to retweeting and reposting, you might be called to give that up, to sign off. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. That might be your calling. And if you commit to this, not just for a little bit, but over the long haul of years, you will discover talents and abilities and blessings you never would have dreamt of. And if you're in a relationship, if you have a child or a spouse or someone close to you, when you see an error in them, I want to challenge you to pray. And then after you pray, pray. Pray that God changes them, of course, absolutely. But also pray to give up your own need to change them. And you can pray something like this. Here's an example. God, oh, I see this flaw in them and I want it to be fixed. But they belong to you and not to me. And I trust you. You love me even though I'm full of errors, and you forgive me for all my mistakes, and you are patient with me even though I fail you again and again. Help me to love them like you love me with all their errors. Help me to forgive them for all their mistakes and be patient with them as they fail me. If we can do that, if we can pray that again and again and again, then we can come to God and pray, God, show me my role in their healing. Show me what to say or not to say, to do or not to do. Tell me if I'm front and center in this fix or if I have nothing to do with it. Because whatever you tell me, I am ready to do. And if we can do that, we will look like Jesus. That is how Jesus operated. And we will bless the world in a way that nobody is ready for and everybody is waiting for. If you want to show people the love of Jesus, help them. Don't hurt them. This is not passive. This is not weak. This is power, but it's power that is used to help. And I want to show you what this looks like. Instead of me carrying this spear, instead of using it to get what I want and using it to shape the world in my image, 
I have to bring it to the end. And this is what it looks like to give up what we want in the world. And to stop trying to control people. And to stop trying to look good and to sound good and to get what we want and always be winning. To stop making people into our image. And instead, we start listening and helping and blessing and helping even when they don't deserve it. And using our power to bless others. Because that's what Jesus did for us. And over the long haul, and with the grace of God, we can end up with something like this. If we want to be a church that shows fishers what Jesus looks like, it is time to hammer our spears into pruning hooks, to turn our power into their blessing, and to give up everything we deserve in exchange for what they need. A spear, a hook, this church, You will create that answer in your life. Dear Father God, this world is full of spears. And so we thank you so much for your message of hope that one day it will be a world of peace. But right now we know that everyone is trying to fix the world in their own image. And God, we hand this desire over to you. We want to bless the world in your image. In this day, in this week, no, not even in this time, God. I'm not going to pray for something to happen right now. I am going to pray for something to start right now. This, may, this is a long road, God, and we know this. I pray that the seed of this desire, that the seed of this sacrifice will be planted in each and every one of our hearts. And that in your way, at your pace, and in your design, this seed will grow in each and every one of us. That is my desire but your will be done. Thank you. Amen.